Hello, I'm David Osman. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. With me today is Ron William of RW Advisory. Our subject for this podcast, the financial markets in 2022 and 2023. IRF promotes an extensive range of the best independent research providers from around the world, both macro and micro. Some are stock-specific, some sector-specific, some country-specific, many are global, and all are investment-related. As we approach the end of 2022, it is a good time to take stock of the financial market trends that have unfolded this year. 2022 has been dominated by Russia's bloody war on Ukraine, China's zero COVID restrictions, global supply chain disruptions, slowing world economic growth, higher inflation, and tighter monetary policies in many major economies, particularly in the USA and Europe. To discuss these financial market trends and the outlook for 2023, we're joined today by Ron William, who is a market strategist with over 20 years of experience, working for leading economic research and institutional firms, producing macro research and trading strategies. Ron specializes in blended, top-down, semi-discretionary analysis driven by cycles and by his proprietary tying models. Ron is also a behavioral finance expert, trading psychologist, and performance coach. He uses the latest techniques in behavioral risk assessment modeling, peak performance, neurobody science, and stress response management, including mindfulness and coherence trading, supported by his market strategies. Ron, welcome. Let's start with a short introduction to the service that RW Advisory provides to your various clients. Happy season's greetings, and yes, great to be here with IRF. And the approach at RWA and and our services can be best described as a global, macro, top-down anchored in behavioral tactical analysis, driven by cycles, proprietary market timing overlays, using a combination of qualitative and quantitative models. Now our real edge is in offering actionable, unique alpha capture strategy, often non-consensus, grounded by a resilient cross-asset model portfolio. One additional description I think that would be useful to our listeners is is on the cycle framework uh, perspective. It's an adapted cycle schema based on the roadmap signature work of mentor Robin Griffiths, a well-known name in the industry. These cycles primarily influence global sentiment, policy, and markets. Each cycle is unique, but when aligned, create a tidal wave effect, a so-called crisis opportunity. And just to give an example of the key cycles that uh, are followed at RWA, a new expanded look on a composite cycle which tracks global sentiment that predicted uh, the 2020 shock ahead of time and that it would be worse than 08, closer to previous historical examples, and would lead to a multi-year transition that we are still in. The well-known Kondratiev wave, but often understated because it's so long and hard to track, that fuels rates. Inflation has an average signature of about 60 years, predicted the bottom reversal in rates during 2020 and the rise that we now see in this year of 2022 as we close. And then the boom-bust economic cycle averaging nine to 10 years. And then finally, 
for more practical and tactical opportunities, seasonality, as we close this year, of course, the year-end rally is one to keep in mind. Starting with the currency markets, the US dollar trade-weighted index, DXY, has been very volatile in 2022, rising from under 96 as high as 114 before slipping back down to around 104 currently. Where do you see the DXY going in 2023? And what might this mean for the UK pound, the euro, the Japanese yen, and the Chinese renminbi? Well, this year we've described the US dollar as starring as the king of rock and roll, and and pun intended in terms of its equivalent of a portfolio blue suede shoes, while many other assets collapsed. Uh, So the juxtapose between the two was so strong. Now, in terms of the dance of the rock and roll, the US dollar rocked by 20 years, uh, hitting historical threshold, which often leads to a systemic risk signal. Price and sentiment became overbought, and that led to a bull trap capitulation. All of these are signals that could have been found ahead of time. And certainly we had uh, shared that information with clients forward-looking positioning. Now, from a behavioral point of view, it also served as a reminder that the greatest trends give way to the largest falls. There is an asymmetric risk built into market structure. And so that's what has now triggered the current MENA version into uh, the dollar index's long-term 200-day moving average, uh, currently trading at about 105.80. So we will likely hold around those levels for a a while longer. Our cycle model, which correctly predicted the dollar drop uh, from some months ago during the summer, now signals an extended weakness period into Q1. But this is likely going to be a two-stage pattern. So down and sideways for now in the short term. But going into the new year, Q2 onwards, we will likely have a relief rally that would likely be fueled uh, by renewed safe haven flows as macro headwinds reemerge. Now, to your point, David, about what this all means for major currencies, of course, the dollar index is an index of relative performers, notably the big weighters, euro, yen, and, and the pound. So we're seeing each of these currencies unwinding from oversold extremes. Uh, However, for some currencies, there is still strong conviction that the lows will be revisited as part of a major bottoming process. So specifically, cable will likely head back to 103.50 with potential risk into parity, euro dollar potentially back into uh, 0.96. So parity featuring for both cable and euro dollar. And then the yen is likely to stand out amongst the rest after a major reversal across the board. We're talking about yen in broad terms, and that will likely continue as a positive trend into next year. And then lastly, the question about dollar China, or China renminbi, I should say, versus the dollar, very interestingly, right now is completing a top reversal pattern in favor of of, uh, renminbi outperformance of the dollar below the seven psychological mark. And that is likely targeting 6.8 near the 200-day moving average with a risk to 6.65. Turning to the bond markets, in 2022, the US 10-year government bond yield has risen from 1.5% to a high of 4.25% in late October before receding to around 3.5% at present. Over the same period, the UK 10-year gilt yield has risen from a fraction under 1% to a high of 4.5% in the autumn 
before decreasing to around 3.25% currently. Although the politics in the US and the UK have been very different, the trends in the US and UK government bond yields have certain similarities. How do you see the US and UK interest rates and bond yields unfolding in 2023? Very important question to be asking as we move into the new year. Uh, Certainly, this past year has all been about FX and rates. And from a technical perspective, we've seen the K wave alive and well, predicting the bottom in long-term 10-year yields during 2022 past um, and the current rise that we've seen, uh, which has been spectacular. What this all means is a structural rise on US 10 yields as as a benchmark uh, proxy after reversing its 40-year bear trend, uh, which has been a a much-awaited signal. The new regime is a high-low watermark of near 5 to 3%. We're now moving into the uh, lower boundary of that range, but only for uh, a temporary period. That, of course, ties in with the lower uh, than expected inflation print and slowdown in, in central bank policy, at least in the US. Ultimately, the structural move in rates is, as many people are now realizing, a long-term sentiment adjustment, uh, which will be, in behavioral terms, transitory to rolling inflation volatility. There are historical analogs that we can follow. I tend to side with the rhyme, not the repetition of historical patterns that we should take care because, of course, each cycle is different, uh, in particular this one. But certainly it is underpinned by macro changes in labor, resources and demographics. So this is here to stay. And remember that high low watermark of five to three percent as we shift to the lower boundary, but extend higher uh, thereafter. Now, here and now, the short term interim top is in across major bond yields. Hence the uh, shift to to the lower boundary of 3%. And in terms of sentiment indications, in terms of central bank policy and how that will impact the bond market, euro dollar futures show traders expect the Fed to be cutting, not next year, although I know uh, there's a big outcry for that, but in 2024. Uh, So likely a slowdown or a pause between now and then, but the real thing only happens much later. So until then, it is likely, if we look at the US versus the UK, to best position for relatively more hawkish Fed and Bank of England versus a a more dovish ECB, if we were to put all three together. And then we can watch it stage by stage to see how things play out closer to the time. Now, when we look at the major stock markets, taking first the US, the S&P 500 index has had a disappointing performance in 2022, beginning the year just below the 4,800 level, then declining to dip below 3,600 in the autumn, before recovering slightly to around 4,000 at present, still down about 16% on the year. Will 2023 be a better year for the S&P 500 index? Likely not, according to the technicals. Here and now, if we divide up the price pattern expectations into short-term versus long-term, short-term, there's a tactical bear market rally. That is our technical perspective under play. That rally can still be sizable. And the average uh, bear market rally in a big bear, as we saw in 2008, 2000 and previous, is up to 23 
0.8%. But if we look at the S&P 500, that is unlikely to break its 200-day moving average, which is currently proving a strong resistance. It's the fourth time now that we're testing and previously failed at that level. Uh, so that'll be a, a key milestone to watch. Having said all of that, what is partly keeping the market up is, of course, we did unwind from a, a sharp sell-off in September, October as part of the negative traditional seasonality. And of course, a, a very challenging year, uh, which, which creates that uh, stronger bounce back. That is further supported by positive seasonality going into Q1 2023. And for, for the listeners who are interested on, on the seasonality forces, there are three in particular. Year-end rally, which is supported by portfolio repositioning, particularly during a, a challenging market like this year. Typical improving sentiment that happens uh, around that holiday year-end period. And then more importantly, what really makes this a triple whammy this year is the midterm election, which is the strongest part of the presidential cycle pattern, especially, uh, wait for it, if there's a gridlock outcome. Now more than ever, the, the sentiment seems to be that less government intervention is probably best given the overspend and uh, some of the challenges regarding taxation and just general leadership, confidence, trust. Now, just to add to that, the structural decline is expected uh, from Q2 uh, second half next year as part of what I've called the technical Minsky risk pattern that's named after the economist Hyman Minsky, where he's described a late cycle bubble situation fueled by easy liquidity and, and speculative irrational exuberance. Technically, on the chart, what I've done is draw that out, and that looks like a expanding multi-year volatility pattern which is signaling a mean aversion into approximately 3,000 as a minimum price objective on the S&P 500. And that would be part of a very natural detox uh, of a very overvalued and overbought market. Internally, there will be a growth value rotation, which already has happened, but that will continue. And you know, defense will, will be a good strategy going into next year. Now, it is said that when Wall Street sneezes, London catches a cold. However, arguably that hasn't really happened this year. The UK stock market has had a roller coaster ride with the FTSE 100 index starting a little below 7,400, then yo-yoing in a trading range mostly between 7,700 and 7,000 to approach the year end around the 7,450 level for a very modest gain of about 1%. Do you expect this 7,000 to 7,700 trading range to persist in 2023? Yes, it will likely persist, and it already has done for so many years. For listeners who want to look back on the chart, you will see it and believe it. Now, part of the reason why there has likely been a positive divergence in the short term on the FTSE is, of course, the constituents, which is mostly resource-driven with uh, multinational firms that help to offset the currency swings. So that will likely be more supportive, particularly in terms of the commodity and resource drivers, uh, which I think will be more supportive next year as part of a long-term positive trend in commodities. But Having said all of that, structurally, the UK equity market does still look vulnerable. And we could either, as, as you just um, asked, David, continue this range or even, worst case, break the range. But it's still not clear as to whether that will happen next year 
or thereafter. We're still watching the charts for that stage-by-stage action. Looking further afield, which stock markets look most interesting to you for 2023? Right here and now, China has surprisingly featured on our global ranking model. It is slowly but steadily ebbing higher. And that's part of a, from a technical perspective, oversold reaction. So of course, China fell down the most and earliest, partly driven by local policy in terms of the lockdown, uh, which now there is speculation of a potential reopening. But what's interesting is the market seems to be pricing in something positive to be developing these types of attractive basing and relief rally type characteristics. We're testing the long-term trend 200-day moving average. And if we manage to break above that, uh, that that will be a positive. The internals on China in terms of the actual participation of stocks and sectors is also looking uh, attractive. I think more than 50% are now appreciating. So it's a broad recovery there. And then the second market I would flag is India, which has been strong for so long and will likely to continue to be over the next few years for a whole bunch of technical and macro reasons. But the word of caution is it is very overbought. And so there'll be uh, likely buy on the dip opportunities going into the new year. Turning to commodities, the gold price is finishing 2022 around the 1,800 level, very close to where it was at the start of the year. After having touched the 2,000 level in March, before slipping to around 1,630 US dollars in the autumn and then rebounding. How do you see the gold price performing in 2023? Supportive gold price trend expected for 2023 better than the year that has passed. I know this market has been most unloved. We started the year positive holding gains alongside the dollar, which I always thought from a correlation standpoint was a pretty resilient behavior. Technically, we've been calling the the gold pattern the Bermuda Triangle because each time it looked like there was going to be a breakout, the signal would be false and most trades would be lost. That has now proven out wrong, fortunately, because the breakout is now holding. That from the October lows as part of what seems to be a just more of a change in sentiment. And the expectation is we could head closer to the $2,000 glass ceiling, not uh, the low probability as to whether we'll break above that. It's not too clear right now, but certainly we could head there. And what seems to be the better proxy to gold is silver, which looks more attractive from a risk reward perspective, rallying from a lower base, still much below its record highs. And this gold-silver ratio has just triggered a switch in favor of silver. So a recommendation there to uh, look at both, if not one more than the other. From a multi-asset context, I mean, gold is also building up a better value against the S&P 500. It scores positively in relation to multi-currencies, although some more than others. And it's still negative correlated to real interest rates, but that should improve as macro forces kick in next year and, and produce more headwinds, especially if real interest rates drop again, as they did in 2018. Earlier, you mentioned the K wave, the 45 to 60 year Kondratiev cycle. Now, arguably, that's been a notable feature of the world economy for over 200 years. How do you see the K-wave unfolding over the next five to 10 years? 
Yes, well, it's a long-standing economic and cyclical force. Harvard professor Joseph Schumpeter wrote in the 1930s, the K-wave is the single most imp- important tool in macro forecasting. And right here and now, it's alive and well, predicting the bottom in 2020 and reversal in 2022, and ultimately the end of the great moderation. Now, what all of this means going forward is an In terms of the idealized K-wave model that we follow, it signals uh, that we are likely in a late stage of the economic cycle, otherwise known as the winter season. So the K-wave is divided up into four seasons. And as part of a debt cycle reset, the so-called Minsky risk that I mentioned, that will likely continue for some a few years ahead. We're only projecting an early spring recovery from 2024 into 2026. That's the time band that we're working on. With such long cycles, it's important to allow for deviations, especially when we're detoxing from um, such a strong overhang. Ron, thank you for this very interesting insight into the service that is provided by RW Advisory. With more time, it would be interesting to discuss some of your shorter-term tactical analysis and your current trading recommendations. The Independent Research Forum is offering a short trial to the RW Advisory Service and can provide details of how to subscribe to their full service. More information is available from the Independent Research Forum on request. Many thanks for listening to this IRF podcast with Ron William of RW Advisory. (music) 